0: of disaster is never pleasant.
1: Welcome to the Casual Preppers podcast.
0: These safety measures are essential. The
1: only place for prepping, survival, and entertainment. This will be your source of survival instructions and information. Every member of the family must be coached in the business of survival. Here are your hosts,
2: Cam and
1: Kobe. Hello, hello. Cam, I don't know how this happened. I told you. But here we are. Yeah, right? Yep. Uh let let the people know who do we have on today? Man, th-
2: yeah. So, legendary <laughs> yeah. author like um Hunter Hunter producer Jim Shockey was, you know, so Man. nice to give us some of his time mm-hmm. to talk to us about like what he knows and this dude knows so much. Oh he's my experienced gosh. like he's it's he's experienced planet Earth. This is a weird exactly. way to put yeah. it. But he really has. He knows like cultures. Yeah. He knows how to hunt. He's a writer. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got a new book coming out. New book um, right here. It's just insane like that we were able to take time and talk to somebody like yeah. this.
1: Man, I, I literally I wish we had like three hours with him.
2: I was in a trance just because he's so good at he's <laughs> yeah. so smooth and he has like he has like, a uh-huh. nice voice that yeah. you're like, I'm just listening to all of his stories. Yeah. And um it was awesome. Yeah. It, it was, was like, awesome to talk to him oh, and hear what he's experienced and his insight and kind of the prepping stuff, yeah. too. it was, it was really good. good. Yeah, yeah, so I, I would not have thought where he had said where
1: he'd <laughs> want to, like, yeah, you know, kind of settle in an apocalypse. So, mm-hmm. interesting stuff, really but. good stuff. Uh, but this podcast is made possible, guys, by Ryan already. Pre kitted bug out bags are usually ill equipped, one stop shops that lack the attention to detail of a custom loadout. Not the case over at Rhino Ready, the truest purveyors of kick-ass survival packs and gear badassery. Their founder, Michael, spent years designing a modular bug-out bag that combined critical survival supplies with performance build quality. After launching on Kickstarter, it took many sleepless nights tinkering on weight distribution, prototype <laughs> testing, and in-person manufacturer visits to bring their products to life. And I'm going to tell you, this stuff is super yeah, high It's like quality. the Lexus or Mercedes <laughs> really is, of yeah. prepping gear. They sell an absolute beast of a pack called the Companion, which you can get fully kitted or you can just build out the pack however you see fit with your own gear. So whether it's to supplement your existing setup or gift a friend or a loved one, you really can't go wrong that with you Ryan really Ray- That you, yeah, you really love. Yeah, you got to really love them. Um But when you go buy this stuff, when you go to Ryan already, that's r-i-n-o-ready.com, you're going to use our code. What's our code? Do you remember, Cam? Cam and Kobe are the best. Man, that's my my favorite code of all time. I know. I think. Uh, They did nail that Yeah, they nailed it. Um, You're going to get $100 off, and I'm not lying when I say that a hundred dollars off kitted companions and you're going to get 25% off everything else in the store. Plus free shipping to anywhere in the United States. I don't know how you beat that deal. No, you can't beat that. It's deal. pretty much not beatable. So go check them out. Rhino That's R I N O ready.com. And, um, I don't know. This is a thing that just happened. And so go watch Jeez, it. It's yeah, freaking amazing. Is Have fun. All right, Cameron, um, man, we are so freaking excited today because we have a hunting legend yeah. on the podcast. Who do we have?
2: Yeah, so today uh, we're going to do five questions with Jim Shockey, which is just, I I mean, it blows my mind that we're talking to someone as legendary as this, has seen every part of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, uh, I don't even know what to say. I mean, it's just kind of like, like star shock here, you know, so.
1: hmm welcome <laughs> jim thanks for
0: coming on uh that's, you're, you're welcome uh, hopefully i will live up to this prior building <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i have <laughs> no, no, i think so i have no doubt
1: like uh could you kind of tell our listeners i'm sure there's a few that maybe don't know who you are um who you are what you do and how you became uh the legend of hunting
0: uh, you know I, I was born to be a hunter and i i honestly think they will Someday, someday identify identified a gene that, you know, <laughs> why 10% of us in the population are just hunters. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and I think historically it was that. So so I, I think it's, it's you know, who I am, who I, you know, was, it's innate. Mm-hmm. So, so so I, you know, and, and also I grew up in the prairies in Canada with our family didn't have a lot of money. So if dad didn't get a moose every fall, we didn't eat meat. You know, I didn't know you could go buy a cow you know until I was in high school <laughs> yeah so so we we ate macaroni if you didn't get a, a moose so so that was also part of it just uh, I wouldn't say subsistence but certainly uh, you know quality of life went a lot mm-hmm. was a lot better if if the hunter you know side of our family produced um, you know so so i I mean I've always my earliest memories are, are of catching earthworms and beetle bugs I was probably two years old uh, <laughs> then gophers and mice and then rabbits and Graduated to deer eventually, and then when I, you know, really got into the hunting and started to understand the spiritual side of it, I realized there's kindred spirits around this entire world that that feel the same. And it doesn't matter kings, queens, or paupers, when you're born with that, it's who you are. I mean, I can be with a warlord in Pakistan, and, you know, if you're a hunter, he's not going to kill me because it's, you're a hunter. You know, if he's not a hunter, he's going to probably kill me if he was, you know opposed to my my Western way of life. But uh, but yeah, I, you know, and, and I realized early at the age of 10, uh, I was going to do this museum and part of the museum is natural history. It's, uh, it's the Hand of Man Museum of Natural History, Cultural Arts and Conservation. So you can't just go buy these things. You actually have to go hunt them and bring them back from around the world. Uh, and by the way, that noise you're hearing is my 107-pound dog, one-year-old dog. <laughs> Wanting to be in on this? <laughs> yeah, she's chewing, chewing something in her edit suite. The guys will, no doubt it's a $500 thing. Of course. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, the the yeah. For, for me, I realized early that you get one life mm-hmm. and and you better, you know, don't waste it. you you don't get a second chance at it. So, so I loved hunting. So why wouldn't I spend my life doing that? And, and, and hunting for me didn't mean killing something. A lot of people equate hunting with, with just that. It's not at all. Hunting is, is a, is a lifestyle, field to table living, Mm -hmm. healthy, you know, you're, you're, uh, organic. We're the, we're the original green people. You know, we, we, uh, and and it also encompasses all the cultures and the family the camaraderie the friendships the stories the traditions all of these things are part of hunting the the kill that that our mainstream media focuses on they they're missing what hunting's all about it, it's it's you know that's that's a f- tiny fraction it's it's like saying watching watching uh i don't know a race car nascar race is is all about the the windshield, mm-hmm. you know, it's not. I mean, that's that's a tiny part of it, but that doesn't make a NASCAR race interesting, and and that's the same thing for hunting. So so I've always been, and I, I you know I I traveled, I I um, wrote stories. That's how I financed it to begin with. Uh, I've written over a thousand articles for periodic periodicals. Pho- photography, then video cameras came in, and then I started taking people into wilderness areas like the Yukon. We've got. My outfitting territory up there is uh, twelve thousand square miles, mm-hmm. so it's over seven point five million acres. And there's not a single road, not one road in that entire area. You, you go in one of our airplanes for an hour and a half, and you you will not see a house or a road. there's nobody lives there. It's just That's our cabins, a few trapper cabins along you know here and there, and and the odd mining operation. But uh, you know it, it's 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 as remote. The last remote wild wilderness left in this, in this world. Wow. And so so to me, that's, that's all what hunting's about. And I've just lived my life to embrace that, that lifestyle yeah it.
1: It. you know i gotta say you are an amazing storyteller and i have to thank you because in my day job well one of my other day jobs i do help manage a small filmmaking team um at one point years ago we were like let's let's do some of these hunting films we're here in utah and we were you know primed for that type of thing and i've had a little bit of experience hunting my dad was a hunter my grandfather was a hunter i had done a little bit of it myself but not much and I was trying to figure out, well, how do we tell these stories through film in, in a way that it's not just... Because I had seen, you know, the guys in the Midwest sitting in a tree stand doing some whispering, you know, waiting for the whitetail to come in. But I'm like, That's, I don't really want to do that kind of thing. And I got so lucky because somebody sent me a link one day to Uncharted. And I, I started watching that series and it just blew me away because it felt like something so different from the things that I was, uh, used to seeing in, in the hunting world. And it kind of showed me, um, a new way to tell those types of stories. So like you really did open some stuff up for me, um, professionally in my career. So I have to thank you for that. That's
0: like absolutely amazing. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah. Uncharted was, uh, yeah, I, I think that was our flagship show, Uncharted and Uncharted Yukon. We had the professionals mm-hmm. before that, that that morphed into Uncharted. Yes. But, you know, first opportunity in our outdoor television world to to do one-hour episodes. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, it's hard to be fair to the, you know, the Midwest guys in their tree stands. How do you tell a story? You have 17 and a half minutes out of the 30-minute spot. Mm-hmm. So, so mm-hmm. how do you, what can you do, you know, and... and and let's face it, the, the culmination of a hunt is the animal coming in and you get them or you don't get them. Yeah. yeah. But so, the, you know, I, to be fair, they didn't have the opportunity. And and we also, we had a secret weapon. We had our, our son, Brandlin, mm-hmm. uh, who's just genius. I mean, uh, crazy, talented. If I had this much of his talent, <laughs> that much of his talent, I would be insufferable. I'd be strutting around like Mick Jagger. You know, yeah. like, like he, and so he, 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 on the, um, Videography side and and uh, he, he just was genius mm-hmm. storytelling. You know, I, I tell stories. That's yeah. that's what I've always done. So, you know, I think the combination really really worked. But I, I don't want to say that it was me mm-hmm. because I you know I was a part of that. Or I was a cog in that wheel. But our son Brandlin was instrumental in in uh, changing the moving the goalposts. Yeah, he you know he set a standard for our industry and for outside our industry for people to tell stories. I I even see someone, uh, one of those uh, chef guys has taken our Uncharted title and put his name in front of it. (laughs) I I, I was giggling. I even saw a movie recently with, I think Marky Mark, whatever his name is, you know, Uncharted. Yeah. We, that, that television series reached a lot of people outside of our hunting industry. And, and, and you're right, right down into Hollywood. Because because of the storytelling, mm-hmm. yeah,
1: yeah, amazing cinematography. <laughs> yeah, Brandlin is. I've been following him for a really really long time. I love watching his Instagram and the things he's got going on. Like amazing. Uh, so yeah, that was a big influence to me. So I was I was really excited to get you on just to be able to tell you that and and to talk with you about this stuff. But but then we saw, hey, you have a new venture. Going right now, um, like, like I said, you've been telling stories your whole life through hunting and film and some nonfiction articles and things. So, what made you decide to sort of delve into this world of a fiction novel? That that seems like an insane leap to me.
0: Yeah, you know, it, 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 to me, it, that that was what I was living my life for. I, when I was ten, and I'm serious, I grew up in a trailer park uh, just outside of Saskatoon, and when I was ten. I decided that I would create a museum. Mm-hmm. Didn't have a name for it, didn't know how I'd be able to afford it because we had no money. Yeah. But I would do a natural history museum and I knew what would be in my museum. I had National Geographic. I could, you know, I'm going to go there I'm going to collect this. I want to see these people. I want to do this. So I, I, I started on that goal, which, you know, I'm 65 now. So 55, more than half a century on that goal. But at the same time, I... Started writing my first novel. I, I knew I would be a novelist. I, I was a fanatic reader by the age of ten. By you know, at eight I couldn't read at all, but by by ten I was reading whatever university level novels. Maybe not so much literature, but um, you know, J. A. Hunter, Hunter, his his book. Um, you know, I had spent more time in detention in grade five because I was not reading. You know, whatever C. Dick okay. C yeah I was reading j. a. Hunter, you know in Africa in Kenya. Um, so so I started my first novel then. I actually wrote, I don't know how many pages I got into it, and I used to hide it. We by then we had a house. Dad mom had a house and and uh, i I would hide it behind a brick in our planter and, and you know and where it should have actually been mulched into the planter. It was so bad. I mean, I didn't and I realized then that I did not have a story to tell. Mm. And if you're a novelist, there's two ways you can do it. You can you can go to university and and you're you know have English lit degree, and then you go out and you start writing your first you know great American novel. Um, but but you're making everything up, or you're telling somebody else's story in in a you know just because you researched their story, but it's not your story. And I realized I I didn't I was never going to tell anybody else's story. I was going to tell my story which meant I had to live a life first. Mm-hmm. So so I started living, and, and uh, always with this novel in mind. I, I penned the first lines of, of Call Me Hunter in about 1993. Wow. I, um, nope. You know, Zhivago is dead. I hunted him down, and I killed him. Yeah. And I, and I, you know, that first page, I wrote that in 1993. And I started, you know, writing the next page, and then I, I thought, you know, I, I still have not, lived enough to have a story to tell and and i just put the pedal to the metal and uh and live for another 30 years before i before i picked up those lines again wow is dead i hunted him down and i killed him. yeah yeah no so it, it's you know the, the process for me it's not like a eureka i decided to write a novel i've been writing this novel for 55 years wow and and but but I had again. That's the second way to write a novel: is you live first, and then you have a story to tell. I mean, Jack Carr, you yeah. know, he he he's look, look what he did. Mm-hmm. You know, in yeah. the military. I mean, he he's got a story to tell because he's walked the walk. Mm-hmm. The, you know, you, yes, there's fiction, but there's also the reason the fiction <laughs> works is because it's really quite real, and and uh, you know that's the same same for me. I. I the only way I could write a novel was to live life first, and then I, I've got more stories to tell than, yeah. than an army part of the cliché. Well, uh, it does seem like there's
1: a lot of you in this book, right?
0: Yeah, I, I would, you know, the, the uh, if I had to stick it in a genre, I would stick it in an autobiographical, fictional, abstract thriller <laughs> So, do they you know, know, but no Barnes and Noble somewhere <laughs> yeah, over by yeah, the section. Right. Maybe that'd be the only, only book on that shelf. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 you know that. That's um, yeah. That's part of the the uh, conundrum with Call Me Hunter is you know they're looking at it going, what is, what is this? You know, because it's not a thriller. I, I actually submitted it originally to ten literary publishers, mm-hmm. so they published you know you know snooty literature yeah. because it's, it's actually. <clears throat> you know if, if someone starts to break it apart and, and look at it from a technical side it, it's literature but they all googled me and and said oh, this guy it's impossible for someone like that Outside of, yeah you know he can't he can't be smart enough i i think or <laughs> not down and out enough or yeah you know he, he's too much of a celebrity i think was the excuse they used but they didn't even read it wow so so then we had to look at commercial fiction and what category do you stick it into? Yeah. You know, it's 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 a new thing, so they they put it in, in commercial. Fiction
1: thriller. Yeah, category. I, I mean, I think there's definitely thriller aspects to this. There's mystery. There's and there's so much. And you know, I'm a huge fan of. I think you even mentioned some Michael Crichton in, in the book. You know, um, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Michael Crichton and Dan Brown. And I kind of felt a little bit of that throughout this. Yeah. This um,
0: massive compliment for me, by the way, Dan Brown and, oh, and uh, Michael Crichton. There. Those guys. Uh, Michael Crichton was. And Dan Brown too, but Michael Crichton was fairly vocal about it. You know, he was out there. He's Hollywood. Yeah, and, and him talking about writing—fascinating guy. I mean, I've met him, talked to him. Oh wow! It's, it's in the novel. Yeah, actually, if you—if you, yeah, when you're reading in the novel, that—that's you know, he's he figures into this call me Hunter yeah
1: yeah i thought that well. was really cool that was that was really cool there's yeah it seems like this was meticulously researched there's so much stuff that i learned throughout this i had no idea about um and you know and i'm i'm a sucker for anything sort of conspiratorial or um secret society type stuff and there was lots of just great stuff like that in this so i was i was engaged throughout i thought it was a blast um and and it's cool to know that you've been sort of you know stewing on this plot and and everything for that long it's just really cool to I'm sure it's really cool to finally see it here you know in black and white for you
0: yeah I mean you know it's I wouldn't say it's a dream because it you know it was a goal yeah Uh, but but yeah it's it's I finally get to be what I know I have been my whole life. It's just nobody else knew that. Yeah. So yeah. so now they they you know they can read it and uh, yeah it's it, it, there's so much of so much truth in there mm-hmm. you know and and you know when you talk about conspiracy and secret societies I you know I had I had I, an interview asked me the other day you know does our world exist and I said yeah, of course it does yeah. you know of course it does and just look around you yeah. You know, look look at the tenets of our world. You know, greed, worst, the uh, corruption, the you know, you know, the covetousness, this, mm-hmm. and look around. And do you see that anywhere? You don't have to look very far to to see someone looking over your shoulder and, and controlling us. And and that's our world. Mm-hmm. Th- that's a, it's a metaphor. It's a metaphor for our reality in our world today. Yeah. So yeah, you bet it's real. Hundred percent, it's real. Yeah. very very wealthy people running this world I'm, yeah. and if something happens to me you know an untoward event yeah. you you, can, you, <laughs> well, just, you, you guys, that's right. you guys heard it here first gotcha. <laughs> reporter yeah it, it may look like it's it's an accident but uh, yeah you know i, I just yeah, i mean I, sure it, <laughs> conspiracies what it was, it's you're only paranoid if they're not actually chasing you mm. well you know that's They are. They're out there on all of us.
1: Yes, man. That that's so awesome. And there was some really uh, fun little subtle jabs to some sort of you know uh, some wokeness in our modern society, which I thought was kind of a blast.
0: I know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm talking. Uh, No, don't. You know, I'm 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 joking about that. It it needs to be exposed. Yes. But the problem is you can't. You don't dare say it. Mm Yeah. But but you know, a fictional character in a work of fiction saying it to someone who is also a fictional character in that work of fiction. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're, if you're that, you know, awake, that, that that's offensive. Oh my goodness. Then, then, you you know, then you truly have 1984, yeah. you know, big brother and you're, you're not, you know, you're burning books, mm-hmm. uh, yep. like 458 or whatever it is. You're, you know, you're, you're, you're trying to destroy ideas and yeah when they're in their nascent form, because they could grow to be something that opposes your ideology. Mm -hmm. But you know, in today's world, there's no right and there's no wrong other than what we all know. Every one of us, you, me, everybody listening and everybody that doesn't listen to this kind of podcast, we all know what's right or wrong intrinsically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, that you you just know that this is wrong to go beat up on this, you know, whatever Mm -hmm. is wrong. Yeah. But everything else, is, is cultural perspective how you were brought up, where you were brought up, your your religion, you know, even what what you eat. I mean, it, yeah. that's all cultural perspective. Yeah. You know, it's horrible to eat grasshoppers. Well, I've eaten them; they're great. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it, it's cultural perspective. Yeah. You know, and that, and that's what we we fight to the death about nowadays. And it's it's you know that's that division. <clears throat> we're not we're not uh, tolerating. Mm-hmm other points of view and and this world is too small now there's nowhere to go you are going to go to the moon you know colonize the moon you can't do it it's not going to happen not realistically so so we better start tolerating other points of view and saying yeah okay i I don't understand it doesn't work for me but but that person hunts and and kills their deer and butchers it up and eats it you know i eat a cellophane packaged hamburger that wasn't a real animal in my opinion but Mm-mm. you know those guys say it is real whatever we just let's just agree to get along yeah um so so that's you know part of what the subtle jabs you're saying mm-hmm. there I was I was giggling the other day because a a you know reviewer and this you know they're not they're agenda you know driven people that are trying to promulgate their own ideologies but uh they read up to the line. Now, this is a fictional character in, in a fictional book. You know, a, a girl saying about one of her her workmates that he was a uh, what do I call him or what did she call him was a an insipid, gender confused millennial with a man bun. And this person, their review, they gave it, they gave, they gave, call me Hunter a zero, and they and they said I did not even read further than that because any book that would say that. It's a fictional character, right. talking about a fictional character. And I know what happens to the, both fictional characters in the next novel, the sequel to it. I know it's all a setup for the second one, oh. that she's misreading this guy. It, like, and, and this person you know, will be proven. Again, it's all, about, it's all about messing with people's perspectives, creating cognitive dissonance. Yes. But this person was so closed-minded, so intolerant, that they wouldn't even read past that, and they tried to butcher it for anybody else. You know, spoil their opportunity, and and you know, therein lies the biggest problem we have around nowadays: is is people abusing their positions. You know, to to like I say, promulgate their own ideology. So, so and uh, yeah, it is. It's kind of a sad statement on on our world right now. But that's why the subtle, yeah. the subtle little jabs in there, and there, you know what. We sit here smugly listening, you know, the insipid millennial comment, you know, because we're not. But wait, you know, we're wrong. You know, like this is this is the whole idea of, of uh, to me, of 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 capturing somebody in, in. Like I say, it's like quicksand, and and if you fight against it, or you're you're just going to sink deeper into the hold of this novel and the next one, and and this is where I. Um, you know, I, I guess I entertain myself by by putting those little those, those little jabs. But but wait, you know, we also have to be open minded that that think our way, yeah. whatever our way happens to be. You know, so so we also can't be smug and say, oh, you see that person? Now, you subtly jab them. Well, guess what? Right, you're, you're going to get it too, and you know, and I'm going to get it. It's it's uh, because again, there's no right or wrong. It's it's about tolerance in today's world, and that's ultimately hopefully what people will take away from this novel
1: yeah that's so awesome and i'm I'm really glad to hear that there's a sequel already in the works right that's that's very exciting
0: yeah yeah i always envision it as three three books because it's a long story i've been yeah. i've been going a for time. a long time since i was 10 so so i, I there's no way i could i could finish it yeah. uh, in one one novel in fact i i could have written 1200 pages wow. and, and and then put the end a lot of time but, yeah you can't do that because apparently nobody reads novels that are this thick. Uh, yeah. They, you know, too expensive to print and nobody reads them. So, <laughs> so yeah, they're, they, they, and it's not that there'll be a sequel. I just haven't finished telling the story. Yeah.
1: Well, that's fantastic. Can you tell us when does, when does this come out? When can the people find it?
0: October 17th. They, they, anybody can pre-order it right now. I'm not, is this podcast live? I don't uh, even this know. Out on it. Monday. So, it, uh, Monday. Can okay, be- yeah. so they, they can, they can pre-order it right now. When this podcast is airing, uh, they can go online and get it. That way, for sure, they get a copy of it, uh, and it'll be delivered. They can buy it from Chapters, Amazon, nice. Barnes and Noble. It's it's in all of them, um, so they can pre-order. Uh, or I think it hits the bookstore shelves on October seventeenth. So that's coming up. Pretty quick, uh, 10 days or whatever. Yes. Well, a week from the podcast.
1: Well, that is so exciting. I I hope it all goes well. I'm sure it's going to. We recommend this book wholeheartedly. It was a a fun read. I'm a huge reader. I love thrillers, and this one really, it did it for me. I I had a blast. So thank you so much. Um, Moving on. So we are... you know we're a, a prepper podcast we talk about survival we talk about lots of crazy stuff and boy i'm sure you've got some stories um <laughs> to tell us and I, I seriously i've been so excited to ask some of these questions to you just knowing the things that you've gone through and you know in your life so we had so many oh my yeah we, we had a like, list no,
2: let's do this
0: one no let's do this one just what are we going to ask we, you? yeah we could ask <laughs> you yeah, ask away i'm i'm uh I'm all ears, and and hopefully all mouth after you ask a question.
1: You've gotten yourself into some crazy situations over the years with animals, with people, with with terrain. Can you tell us, you know, what's one of the craziest survival situations that you've ever faced?
0: You know, here in the museum, we've got. Uh, um, I mean, first of all, lots of encounters with with animals. Yeah. You know, where where I was definitely the softest thing around, and. Yeah. And, and the animals coming to, to kill you. Yeah. And this, you know, I've been a cougar attacked me a, a few years back. Oh my like god. crazy god. me! You know, it, it came at me. I, I just literally turned and shot from the hip as it was leaping. Actually saw that video
2: um, just yeah.
0: recently. Yeah, and it's it, it, yeah. it the, the, I'd seen it across the logging road, and we were walking, and I said, "Just keep the camera on. We might see him up the up the hill." Yeah. And, and here on yeah. Vancouver Island, there's a lot of cougars. There's you know the hunting season is six months long. We're allowed two cougars per season because they're trying to. I mean, they, they will take a child or you know somebody every you know few years up here, and, and so they, you know the, the, the population is high. Mm-hmm. And so I, I had a cougar tag, and I was walking along, and I told the cameraman, "Keep the camera rolling, keep it wide. We might see him up the slope in the logging slash." And and uh, it, that's not what happened. The cougar actually waited for us, and as I walked past, looking up the slope, he. Yeah, he made one yeah. one jump and then a second jump, and that's when I turned him bang, just shot like that. And otherwise, I wouldn't yeah. be talking. <laughs> yeah. And the cameraman got it all on camera. Yeah, so I don't know how he caught all that because it was so fast, so fast. Yeah. Oh, it just it was it was. I think we tied. It was like a tenth of a second. Yeah. So the reaction to when you can shoot and and uh, but the cameraman, you know, he had enough of a reaction time to go like that, and it, so he caught it all. So yeah. there's no. You know, this isn't me just telling a, an old wives' tale. Yeah. This is the truth. Yeah. And, you know, I've been charged by Cape Buffalo and hippos and elephants, all that stuff. Yeah. But, but the, the, I mean, your job is, you know, I, I'm here because I'm good at my job. You yeah. know, that's my job is to protect my client and protect myself. Um, so, I you know, I don't know. I don't consider those close calls because they're only close calls if you're crappy at your job. And I, I, to be fair, there's, there's times mm-hmm. – No matter how good you are, my good friend Mike Fell just got hooked by a Cape Buffalo here this year, and you know he's the best of the best. I mean, he makes me look like a kindergarten kid. (laughs) You know, he's that good, and and uh, he got it. You know, it's just sometimes it just things happen. Mm -hmm. But uh, the closer calls to me are always the human ones because we don't react necessarily the same way um, every single time. Mm -hmm. The the good thing is. We we are still animals at our core, yeah. and so yeah. behavior is behavior for a species, and you can predict it. I mean, I in the museum here I have a picture of um, me with with some, um, Mercy tribal you know men in uh, on the smuggling line between Somalia and Sudan, mm-hmm. and and uh, we bumped into them. Now I'm armed, you know, oh gosh, yeah, with a muzzle loader usually, but you know they had AK-47s, and and they you know the, they're bad actors. Like, you know, life is no value in those parts of the world where you're there. It just really doesn't. You know, my sunglasses are worth more than my life. Yeah. And that he, the little leader, he was he was a tough-looking little brute. He uh, walked right up with his AK-47 and plucked my sunglasses from my my face, and then turned to his buddies. You know, and and well, at that point, you know they're heavily armed, but but you know I'm armed, so. It's like two two apex predators meeting at a water hole. Yeah. Okay. You know, one of us is and he made the first move. Well, so when he turned around, you know, he was kind of smirking at his buddies, knowing that, okay, well, next I'll take his hat, next I'll take his shoes, then we'll just do whatever we want with him. Yeah, you know, when he turned around I reached and I popped his Grigri necklace off his neck. And I went like this and I went like this, hey, you know, good. And I pointed at the sunglasses on his face and, you know, like this, good trade. Yeah. And I, and I wasn't afraid because fear is a horrible waste of an emotion when you should be reacting. You, you can't feel fear. And I did. And I just said, okay. And, and that's, that's animal behavior because I was displaying, he was displaying. And, and my message back to him was say, okay, you did that. I did this right back at you, you know, at this point. And you don't know if my next move is all in or not. You want to, you want to try and escalate it? Like push me. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to kill you. You know, that you don't know that, you know, it's just, it's very simple human or animal behavior. One of us is going to get hurt really badly here in the next few seconds. And one of us is going to get killed. And here's the problem. We don't know who's who. You know, are you yeah. going to be the one that's going to get killed, yeah. which I guarantee you would have been, or am I going to be the one that's going to get killed? Are you going to get badly hurt? Either way, we kind of lose, you know, this, like, this is going to turn into a shit show here real quick, depending on your next move. And and so, you know, those are, those kind of situations, you know, and I was, I, I mean, I was all in, let's go, Let, yeah. you know, but I mean. <laughs> I, I can shoot quick, and, and like I say, he would have died, but I would have died, right? You know, because it would have been just bang, but but you know, those kind of situations, those are the closest calls with with yeah, with humans, and and it's funny. Another sort of variation on that. I was asked one time in an interview, and our daughter Eve was there in the interview, and the interviewer asked me, you know, what's the closest call you've ever had? And I said, well. The truth is, the closest calls are the ones where I didn't take the next step. You know, I backed out of a situation. So the closest call never happened because, you know, spidey senses went off, survival and things kicked Mm -hmm. in. And I didn't take that next step. I, I, you know, I stopped, said, you know, something's really, really wrong here. If I, and I, you just know it, you know it, and you, and you back out. And, you know, so, and she looked at me and said, that is the lamest answer for, <laughs> you, know, the most, you know, there's nothing exciting about yeah. telling a story about something that didn't happen. But I think if we're, if we're truly switched on and tuned into our instincts, mm-hmm. the closest calls are exactly that, the ones that we avoid. And, and you know, I have, I have five rules. Every one of my guides knows these rules. You ask them, they'll, they'll, you know, attention and it's the five rules are safety, 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 and safety. And, and if you live your life based on those rules, right. you, you cannot mitigate objective dangers, a rock falling off a mountain, and you don't hear anything, just all of a sudden, and you're dead. Right. You know, a meteorite coming from on heaven, you can't, you, you just, yeah. you can't mitigate those. But you can certainly deal with everything that is under your control. And with those five rules in mind, you you'll always make the right decision. You know, it's, it's why I'm sitting here until I started blabbering about How world. Now I'm yeah. in public. Your like, time's limited now. I, I mean, it's yeah, well, yes, no exactly. really, big I, deal, really,
1: you know? That's yeah. 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 I mean, you talk about those instincts. I mean, you've, you've probably honed those instincts over the years as you've hunted, but do you think that those instincts translate into other things than just hunting? Like you were talking about mm-hmm. the interactions with those humans. Does that, do those, those things you've learned through hunting, do, do they translate into other areas of your life?
0: Sure they do. And, and, you know, I think a big part of it is, is uh, what hunting does and the instincts, it, it, it creates self-reliance. Yes. You know, independence and, and, and with that comes confidence. Mm -hmm. You know, you were going to cancel me really? Yeah. Like, like, come on, you're going to send me home? You know, you like, so, so so that, because of that, you, you know, you're not. You don't have to follow whatever way the wind's blowing, you know, to, to feel like you fit in. To look for, uh, you know, pure acceptance, you you can you can stand and say, you know, gee, sorry for a living, but this here I am. Yeah, yeah, and, and those instincts, you know, when you have that, and that's what the instincts result in is is confidence. You're 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 true to yourself. Mm-hmm. You're being honest with yourself. You're you're who you are. So who cares what anybody else thinks? And it's in the book. It's in the novel. Yeah. Who cares? Young Hunter. He doesn't care. Mm-hmm. He, he could care less what anybody else thinks. They think he's, you know, he's, he's slow. He doesn't care. Yep. You know, like I say, my book, I, I, I sent it off to 10 publishers of literature and, you know, they just took one look at that, which I'm looking at myself on your screen here. It's like ugh, I get it. You know, why, why, why they would just assume this 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 guy's a, a clown in a cowboy hat? Yeah, you know. So, so I, that's what I think the instincts do, and 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 you know, they're out there. I mean, look at business guys that are good at business. Yeah. You know, they're they're predators. Yeah. You know, they're predators, and, and you know now there's kind of benign predators, and there's you know, really aggressive, nasty predators out there. And and, you know, I'm personifying animals, but I'm I'm applying it in a human sense mm-hmm. to to these people. These you know, they are animals. Uh, you know, so so they're they they're using those same instincts and they're you know, there's a whole bunch of ungulates out there that they prey on. And and so yeah, sure it translates into real life. Every every Everything you do in the wild that's closest to who we were and who brought us to the table mm-hmm. to how our antecedents lived the closer you are to that the more you're going to have you're going to be in touch with those instincts and and in today's world you're you're I mean it's it's a valuable tool to have I think look at this we we're talking about Eva <laughs> sorry guys but this is look <laughs> Eva
1: <laughs> how are you <laughs>
0: Hi. <laughs> like, well, you don't have to answer your FaceTime when you're busy. That's Hello. what happens. Your dad's just gonna throw you on in the middle. Of- yeah, that's right. I just told the story about oh, how yeah. I just told the story about how you said it was the lamest answer in the world. <laughs> the most dangerous situation I've ever been in was the one that never happened. Yeah. So I, you. Oh, that,
2: oh my gosh, that is the worst answer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, so, so thank you for your cameo appearance. You should, we can we can let you go now. <laughs> Thank you, because I'm in a parking lot. I probably should. <laughs> okay, bye. Good luck. Sorry, Not you guys have to detective. talk. To yeah, nah. You're
1: awesome. welcome on the show anytime. Yeah.
0: Bye, bye. Bye.
1: Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, leave it to yeah, a daughter to to you know jab you in the side when you when you
2: yeah. don't when do you what think she think. yeah. This is a good answer. <laughs> oh yeah.
0: yeah, She's you know I I when I do these podcasts I always keep my phone here because family yeah is most important and and yeah. if they're reaching out then. Yeah. You guys are important. Everybody we're talking to is important. Right. But but you know what? Ultimately, family is the most important. You, yep. Always has been. Always mm-hmm. will be. And I think everybody needs to keep that in mind. A hundred percent.
1: I mean, that's Cam and I talk about that all the time. That's pretty much one of the big reasons we do what we do on this podcast, talking about preparedness. Is You know, when we started our families… It's all about that, yeah. That's the thing that pushed us into learning how to be more prepared for what might come, you know, whatever it might be. And so that's, it's always been a big yeah. push for us. For them and us first. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. So
0: it, it, It's, you know, to, to that end too, I you know, preppies, I didn't even know the word. Mm-hmm. You know, I've always felt that you should be prepared. Yeah. And I, you know, I never heard the preppies word and, and, and until probably... Covid, yeah. you know, it was the first time I heard anything about it. I think there was a movie about a guy that had a whole. bunch. I watched the movie one time too. The first time I heard that, but I think it's, I think it's everybody's responsibility yeah. if you're looking exactly. after your family to have to have a year's worth of food on hand. Mm-hmm. You know, we do. Yeah, we always have. Yeah. You know, always. And I'm not talking about freezer food. I'm talking about, you know, freeze dried, vacuum packed. Mm-hmm. It's there, and you, and you can survive a year. For sure on that and if you ration it you can last longer i mean people that think that this world we've established and built is is built like like a pyramid yeah mm-hmm. it's not it's built like that kind of a pyramid mm-hmm. and and it it wouldn't take much i mean i, no. I i've seen it around the world the supply chain it, it i mean computers go down cell phones go down and the world basically ends as we've created it right now. Yeah, and still, yeah. Well, now you've got AI coming on board. I mean, it's—I think it's absurd for anybody. Listen, everybody, carefully to what I'm saying. I'm 65 years old, and I'm not. There's nothing in this for me, but I think it's absurd if you're not prepared for you and your family for at least a year to to look after yourselves, and and, you know, there'll be, <laughs> just a side story to that. It was. I I won't mention names, but someone was talking to a neighbor who's a a a very capable warrior, you know, like trained warrior. And they were all talking about their, they had their food and they had their guns, and they said, "How are you prepared?" He said, said, "I don't need to be prepared because I'm just going to take all your stuff." Yeah, you know, and and, and this is, but this is, if anybody thinks that we're not animals. We are. We we okay. just pretend we're civilized, you know. We have the luxury of being civilized, yeah. which is, uh, you know, I mean, it's it's a wonderful luxury. Look at our world, but but, it, it, like I say, it's naive. It is. It's really really naive, and it may not happen in your lifetime, but bad things never happen until they happen, mm-hmm. and and yeah, they haven't happened yet. But that doesn't mean they're not going to happen tomorrow. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I, and maybe it's, maybe it's my conspiracy thoughts again, oh, or, or just, yeah. but, yeah. but, you know, I've got this book tour starting next week mm-hmm. and, and, you know, I'm just going, you know, this would be just the right timing for <laughs> something <at> world events <laughs> yeah. to, yeah. you know, and, and it's a totally spoiled opportunity for Call Me Hunter. Now it's kind of a, it's self-serving, but it's not because I think there's lessons in Call Me Hunter that are important for everybody to at least, you know, read mm-hmm. and hopefully, uh, you know, make an attempt to understand. Yeah. So, yep. so I, you know, I, it's going to happen. You guys are, you guys are a hundred percent right. Absolutely. One hundred percent right. And anybody that denigrates what you're doing and, and, you know, the, the warning calls that you're giving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You may be early by a couple generations. of generations, Who knows? You know, yeah. but, but nobody knows. Yeah. Nobody knows, and I'll tell you what. There's, you don't have to go very far back in history to see similar situations where people that were, you know, thinking this was never going to happen, never going to happen, and suddenly, you know, you've got the Warsaw Ghetto. Yep. Yeah. And 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 remember who took all the food away from the people that were prepared. Mm-hmm. You know, all this. If any, like I say, anyone that thinks we're so civilized, it just hasn't traveled. Yeah, it's a facade for
1: sure. Like it's it's something that could drop away in an instant. And, you know, we talk about those big events, these big SHTF events that could happen that could just like take down the grid. There's a lot of things, but, you know, one of the things that we like to preach to is kind of like your own personal apocalypse. What are the things that are going to happen to you that you should be prepared for? Maybe not the entire society as a whole, but maybe you lose a job, you know, maybe the power is out in your area for two to three weeks, which happens. Right, maybe your car breaks down, so you're but, always prepared for those. Yeah, we're, we're talking about those big events, and yes, you need to have a year's worth of food and you need to have a way to purify water and all these other skills, but y- you also want to get your family comfortably through those little tiny crises that happen to you and your family, you know. So, there's, there's a wide array of things
2: yeah, I think to, it's to look at, like what you said. Is- I mean, it's, it really shouldn't even be a thing. It shouldn't even be a thing to be a prepper or there's a group yeah. of preppers. Like like you said, it should just be um, – I grew up as my family always having food storage and everything. I didn't know it was a thing to be a prepper. I mean, I think that's new, but, like, everybody should just naturally be prepared for sure.
0: And that, that comes down to self-reliance. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You have to be able to look after yourself and, and your loved ones. Family, again, it comes down to family. Yes. yes. So how and, and I think it's a great, I, I, the messaging that you guys are giving is is fabulous. Thanks. Like it, it really truly is because it doesn't have to be that that catechismic event that that wipes out the whole world. It's it, it can be just like you say power out for three weeks. What are you going to do?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, what, how, how do you deal with that? Water? Where are you going to get water? Yeah. You know all, all these things and, and, and I mean. I, we live in the country. Yeah. I mean, I, I picked 600 pounds of apples the other day, wow. and 350 pounds of grapes. You know, I, I put away all our garlics for I have garlics for the the winter. All of our tomatoes are you know prepared and, and ready. Yeah. You know, I mean, we live a field to table lifestyle in the country. I, I I can't imagine living in on the 15th floor, oh, yeah, a high rise exactly. in a city with a million other people that are going to be in the same boat as million there's three five six million people that will be in the same boat as you yeah yeah what are you going to (laughs) do where where are you going to where are you going to get water you have to you know so so to be fair it's it's almost impossible for people that live like that to to accept what you're saying because as soon as they accept it they realize i mean the very foundation of their life is and their existence is being shaken so true because the, the, what, they can't store food for a year. No. You know they can't have water purification. They're not going to have any water. They they can't. How are you going to get down the elevator? How are you going to get past all the thugs that are trying to take everything you have, including your clothes, because you can't get clothes. Right? I mean, all these things. They so they can't think of that. You know they they just have to believe that no no it's this, everything is everything is good. Yeah, and and the way we live is good. They have to. So so it, you know you're you're. I think your messaging is, is wonderful. I think that there's there's a lot of people out there that it cause it disturbs them. Yeah. Great, you know, yeah. again back to cognitive dissonance. Mm-hmm. They have an idea and you're telling them something that doesn't fit here because because it means they have to move out of the city somewhere to be able to survive. Right. And 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 that means losing their job and that means starting all over in the big bad country in the in a rural situation that they know not, nothing about. So so it it's a it's a you know, it's we're humans, and and yeah. we're going to ignore the messaging because it doesn't fit yep. with with the way we live our life. But but still, I think you're doing a great service. Thank Hopefully, you. one person out there right now is going to be prepared for their family, whatever that event is, losing a job, yeah. like you say, carver. You know, we hope so. Are they are they prepared? Are they wearing their six hundred dollar Gucci loafers yeah. driving through a snowstorm in the mountains? In, exactly in in uh, Utah. I mean, you know, I mean, it happens. It's just shocking, but it, but it still happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, not they got a suit and tie on, and and the car breaks down, and a snowstorm comes, and they can't walk out. They can't sit. Exactly. they're they're hosed. So yeah. it's yeah. I, I think you guys are doing a great service.
1: Well, thank you. Yeah. Say that like. once again for my wife. Hopefully, she's <laughs> listening. We're doing a great service, babe. <laughs> yeah,
2: and uh, and with that being said, like how you, uh, we think about that too. We try to apply some of these prepper concepts to people that live, you know downtown, like in those, you know, but it's harder. And obviously I wouldn't want to be in that situation when things really went South. So, and that was a question we had for you is you've been around the world. I mean, more than anybody, I think I've ever like listened and and watched. I mean, you know, what kind of people you would, you know, that live in certain areas, you know, what kind of animals are in, in different areas, where would you prefer of all places If it, you know, in in an apocalyptic scenario or situation, where would it be on planet Earth (laughs) that you would want to, you know, ride it out?
0: Do you think it's best for? Yeah, yeah, it's a great, it's a great question. And, you know, it's a really loaded question, too, because where I'd like to be, I wouldn't be able to survive. Mm -hmm. You know, and the place I think we have to be, uh, most of us wouldn't survive. Uh, And uh, you have to be. as far away from from the masses as you can right you you just have to be and and that means you know the more remote you are the more challenging it is to exist that's why it's remote Mm -hmm. you know why aren't why isn't the arctic covered in people Mm -hmm. well because only the inuit can survive up there you know and and have for ten thousand years you know, so they will survive, whatever happens. You know, those people are incredibly capable. I mean, it, it, my, the, I've spent a lot of time up in the Arctic, you know, in dog sleds and snow machines and boats and w- with the Inuit people. On it, truly, I think, the most resourceful and, and, and uh, how can I say it, philosophically oriented towards surviving you know, the, I got trapped in a in a blizzard one time trying to get to Hope Lake from, it's Kugluk was the place we were coming from at the time they called it Copper Mine. But we, um, it was a fall and an early blizzard. So there was no packed snow underneath. It was a, you know, snow was just coming you wow. know, down. We were down to, we had one tent, we jet, jettisoned everything off the cometics. We had one sled left and, and three machines and only enough gas for to fill one machine to try and get back, they sent two rescue teams out to us. The, both of, the first one turned back twenty miles from Kugluktuk, and uh, the other. And we, we we had single sideband radios in those days, so we could you know it's really crazy listening to those radios. Now we have satel phones, mm-hmm. yeah. but um, the second the second uh, rescue party got uh, bogged down. They couldn't go anymore because the snow was too deep and fluffy, and and. Horrible condition. You can't see whiteout conditions. <clears throat> Six days, and and Jeez. finally one of them, John Franklin, um, you know, he volunteered from our group to take one snow machine to try and meet that that rescue party and lead them back on on the track. Cause, and and um, he went out and in, into the wild, and and it was he he found them. He, they came back in the middle of the night. It was I mean when I saw the first snow machine coming over top, it was you know. <sighs> We're safe, but, but the Inuit, you know, they, they, they have this perspective that home is where you are. So they, you know, we, we have to get to the grand opening. We've got a ballet to attend. My flight leaves in three hours. You know, that's how we run our lives. They don't, you know, here's where I am. Home is where I am. I don't need to go. I can just sit here and, and we'll sit here. We're not going to die. Not for a while. You know, so what's, what's the big panic here? You know, so so they they they're just the mentally and and physically I've seen them working in forty below weather, legit ambient temperatures forty below, with no gloves on, working on their snow machines with holding metal pieces and you know, take strips of of walrus hide, you know, and, and cut it to the right shape. And and take it out Holy and then God. freeze it onto the whatever part they're trying to weld together. Oh my! And God. and and that's that's their weld. That's what they do. They they just you know and and you take away the snow machines and canvas tents. They just go to igloos and, and dog sleds crazy. <laughs> you know, like they're they they are. My I tip my hat to those people. So back to your original question, that's where I'd want to go. That's the only place I think you can go. And I, uh, the oh, problem gosh, is we wouldn't survive. Yeah, we, the, the environment has to uh, predicate who can survive there and, and uh, mm-hmm. they can, we can't, but wow. that's where I'd want to be. And, and then ask them to look after me or teach me real quick, you know, but I'm not even built the right way. You know, Bergman's rule. I'm not thick enough. I'm not, you know, <laughs> solid enough. Um, wow. They, so they, yeah, that, that's where I'd go. So to the very outer reaches of, of civilization and, and as far away from the rest of the world, eating each other yeah. than uh, you could possibly be. That makes sense. I, the question
2: before about crazy situation, I had a feeling it was going to be with another human animal, that it wasn't going to be an animal itself. It yeah. was going to be with a human. Yes, yeah, so because so you're, I mean, you live around and you've been, you know, and, and hunted all types of animals. I knew that the one that probably was the craziest thing you encountered was, was another person. And that of makes course. sense. Why you're like, no, I'm going to get out as far as possible away from civilization. So,
0: sure. Yeah, you know, I mean, there's there's uh, seven or eight billion of us on this world now. Yeah, you know, so so <clears throat> just by sheer numbers, you, you know, you're going to be exposed to a bad situation so to a human being. Rather, I well, mind you, there's 25 billion chickens in this world, so maybe a bad chicken will come after <laughs> hey, you. Hey, I've I've but seen a fair share of bad chickens in my <laughs> life, but. <laughs> Yeah. You know, they're, they're the greatest survivalists of all there's 25 billion of there's them there's a lot i mean they've yeah they've taken over the world they know that hey we yeah we live kind of a crappy life laying eggs in this cage but we're alive yep. yeah and and you know let's for the greater good of our species just lay your eggs you know and and when the time comes some of us will escape or and there's wild chickens and i've seen them in hawaii wow you know flying around like they fly they're chickens <laughs> you know like they've replaced Whatever birds are down there, birds of paradise or whatever yeah, they had, well, they yeah. wouldn't have them there. But, uh, you know, and there's chickens. Mm-hmm. So, so, yeah, chickens are the best survivalists of all if you go by sheer numbers. Well, put that one on I the never list. Thought Check about it off. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a good answer. So we've got a couple of questions that
1: we ask everybody that comes on the show. Um, these ones are kind of fun. So just just have a good time with these. This one, what conspiracy theory do you find the most interesting <laughs> and entertaining and why?
0: Well, I mean, the, you know, I'm, I'm a product of, I was born in the fifties. So, yeah. so, you know, Kennedy, Yes. you know, I just, I've seen, I, you couldn't not, I remember coming home, my mom being in tears, mm-hmm. Yeah. you know, he's been, he's been assassinated, you know, th- this, so I, I grew up with that. That's, that's a pretty, mm-hmm. you know, you know, and I, it's still today, probably the biggest conspiracy theory of all. Oh, no yeah. doubt. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, at least of our of our times, mm-hmm. you know. I'm sure that you go back in the Inquisition times. There was, you know, you want to talk conspiracy theories? Holy cow! <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know what, what was the motive of that? You know the the, uh, but but you know in our in our modern times, yeah, it's Kennedy. I know that's a boring, nope, a boring, boring answer, but it's uh, you know all this deep state. But like I say, call me Hunter. Yeah, it, our world exists. Mm-hmm and and any, again anyone that denies that it exists is just being naive mm-hmm. or not i don't know maybe they don't live under a rock or don't read newspapers <laughs> but uh, you know, to to think that there's not organizations and people manipulating mm-hmm. you know the the rest of us uh, it's it's just it's just naive mm-hmm. it's it's naive I, and, and everybody that's listening take take what you're hearing with a grain of salt because you're not generally hearing both sides of any story anymore you're and and what the way i say it is you know good news sells for one dollar bad news sells for two dollars and so these are big corporations that are controlling the media and there's there you want conspiracy (laughs) what what's their point yeah you know just to make money money is made by manipulating more and more people getting them to do something you want marketing to them so what are they marketing to us it, it, of course, it's there's, I mean, the whole thing is a conspiracy when you get right down to it. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, as far as the classic, yeah, Kennedy. I mean, who who is was behind all that? Yeah,
1: that that's got to be the biggest one of our time for I, sure. Yeah. And I, one, I just don't know if we're ever gonna get any more I, answers I've heard on. So
2: many different things that I you know I'd heard about it and thought it was okay. This and then even to today, I hear new and new theories on that. Mm-hmm. This is that's Never that's ending. a big one. That's a deep one.
0: Yeah, I, I just I, I watched that footage. I mean, I imagine we all have the, mm-hmm. you know, and it's enhanced, but it's as a hunter. Yeah, there's no way that those two bullets came from the same direction. Yeah, it just you know when when it go bang like this and then bang like that. Yeah, that's impact from two different directions. And and I and I don't know. That's just me saying it. Yeah, I'm sorry. And yeah, it doesn't. Maybe somebody's sitting there going, oh god, the guy really is a weirdo, but. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I, just me, layman, looking at this. That's you know, handled a lot of guns in my life and and seen impacts. Uh, I you know, you tell me one guy up in a third story somewhere yeah. at a moving target did that with open sights. Mm-hmm. Give mm-hmm. me a break. I mean, I'm really good. Yeah. You know, I'm as good as I think I've seen anybody on that kind of a shot. And and I that would have been a an incredibly challenging shot. Period. You know, so so there you go. There's my, nice. you want my take? That's a good one.
1: Maybe we'll have to have you back yeah. one day and we'll just do an entire episode <laughs> on, on the JFK conspiracy. But I would be remiss if I didn't ask this question. You don't have to answer if you don't want to, but you've been out into every woods e- everywhere. Where is the evidence of Bigfoot? That's a great question. Where is it at? So have you the,
0: seen it? Yeah. You know, there, there's a lot of big. Footies out there. I don't know. They call they call Taylor Swift fans Swifties. So there's <laughs> yeah. a bunch of footies out there, and and they're all they're all and they're just. Uh, I'm gonna get so many crappy letters, but <laughs> here, here's here's my reality on that. Okay. I've been in a lot of wilderness areas, oh, yeah. and I and in North America, uh, yeah. I mean miles, hundred thousands, tens of thousands of miles. Um, I'm pretty good at what I do. Mm-hmm. And I have never seen sign, any indication, unless unless Bigfoot flies. You know, I, I don't know that. You know, and maybe maybe we don't know. Maybe that's, maybe that's, you know, there. that would explain that, why I've never seen any sign. <laughs> we didn't think chickens fell in there, right? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and now, you know, and around the world, I've never seen any sign. And, and of course I have. You know, you're, you're in camps together in the middle of the mountains in the Himalayas, the Kokshal-Tau, mountains of the sun, the you know the Palmers, the Karakoram range. You know all these places a Yeti is supposed to live. Yetis and Bigfoot, yeah. Just no right. sign. Nobody's seen right. any sign. Now that all said, yeah, there, everywhere you go, there's the legend of Bigfoot, right? Yeah, some variation Yeti. Yeah, you know <laughs> the. Uh, so sorry, they're they're leaf blowing outside. That is that what it is. So, so there, there is, you know, to, to deny that there's not some you know tie-in mm-hmm. across all of these various cultures across continents it couldn't possibly be talking to each other yeah but is it because there's a human need mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. legends like that to exist to explain the unexplainable right and I know a quick story on this one I you know about maybe 40 years ago now I, I was on my on my oh, I was in a there's another partner of mine, but. I was on my own in the in the mountains of British Columbia, very remote, long way. It was like a 30-mile hike to get in there. And I, I was, you know, just this perfect, still morning. And within 50, thick, though, and within 50 yards of me, there was there's a noise, like just made every hair on my whole head stand up. And, I mean, it was, you know, I said never feel fear, but that's the closest, you know, I would ever get to feeling fear is it was like, <laughs> like, <clears throat> it was a dinosaur and, and I just froze. Uh, and it, you know, now I had, a, I was armed. I had a gun. It was hunting season. And, I, you know, I had a, I had a, a choice, you know, that you're at one of those yeah. points in your life where, and, and remember my five rules, safety, 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 mm-hmm. and safety. I made a, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say I ran away, but I made a tactical retreat yeah. <laughs> and I left and I never told a soul about it. Never, ever. Cause there's nothing in the woods that make that sound. Oh, my God. You know, and I know every animal that's out there. Nothing makes that sound, at least in my experience. So it was, well, 30, 30 years later, um, I was in the mountains again, B.C., and and I, I was, and all of a sudden, Whoa! And, but this time I could see it. It was an elk. Really? And it's, yeah, it's not an elk. You know, they don't yeah. Like, it, wasn't, it didn't make the classic elk sound. It was it was a, it made the sound that the progenitors of the elk, you know, the, the they're they're in the central part of Asia is where they come Kazakhstan is where they actually originate from. And as they went further west or further yeah, further west, they turned into red stags, you know, over right. time, depending on what you believe in evolution or your faith. The when they went east they and crossed the land bridge, they turned into the Wapiti and the sound that they make changed. No so, idea. Wow. This, yeah, so the sound that I was hearing, I've heard many times now since, but in Asia, that's, they it's called the roar. It's called the roar. So whatever elk it was, was some throwback, you know, it, oh, it didn't wow. make the pretty, you know, Brad Pitt, wee, 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 wee. <laughs> it, 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 was, it was making the, uh, you know, wow. and, and that's, but, and that, it was like a huge weight off my shoulder. Like, okay. <laughs> you know, this, heard. But if you have asked me if there's a Bigfoot and, and it, because I hadn't seen any sign, but I'd heard this thing that was unexplainable, <laughs> that makes you know, I would have had to say, well, there was this one time, mm-hmm. you know, so, so does Bigfoot exist? You know, it, it, I wouldn't say it did exist for me for that time period until I realized what the sound was. Yeah. But I would say that it. I didn't eliminate it as a possibility <laughs> yeah. and so so yeah i have not i have not seen uh put her any vacation, but uh oh, that is awesome that's a great that's a great. That's story. super interesting I, I didn't know that. that
1: yeah all right, one more story, Jim, and we'll let you go, or one more question sure. um what is your favorite movie of all time, and why holy cow, yeah, I know that's a tough one <laughs> <laughs>
0: our, our our family movie. our our family movie was Dumb and Dumber. Oh yeah, you know. So, but, but I, yeah, that, um, you, you know, what, I, I was I was a Clint Eastwood fan, mm-hmm. you know. So you know, Good, Bad, Ugly, yeah. all that stuff, and and uh, Josie Wales. I mean, these were mm-hmm. he was so super cool until he did Bridges of Madison County, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then. <laughs> you know arnold's worst thing i'm what can i say i'm i'm a yeah i'm a simple and I, I and i love i love movies yeah. a good story a good movie awesome. I, I find you know i i can tell you what my least favorite a lot easier are okay you know, yeah i'd is, love to hear I that, hear that, hear that too least. actually yeah the 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 you know these new marvel comics they <laughs> new yep you know, like you know spitting out, it's in it's in call me hunter yala mm-hmm. says it you know that the you know they're clad in dragon scales and they blow fire and make ice. It, it It's just, it, you, the first ones were kind of cool. Yeah. You know, Thor and, and mm-hmm. uh, Iron Man was great. Iron Man was great. You know, yeah. But, yeah, those were great. But, but I, I just think they're going back to that same, well, sure. they, they're doing it too much now and, and they don't create great movies. Uh, you know, here, here's a great movie. Autumn Rush. Mm-hmm. Autumn Rush. Yeah. Love it. You know, and, and I watched the movie the other night, just me and my dog, baby, mm-hmm. With my you know bottle of apple homemade apple wine yeah. and uh, I watched yesterday, you oh, know the yeah. movie yesterday. It's a beautiful movie. And, and you know cute and and sleepless in Seattle and mm-hmm. you've got mail. Oh yes, yeah. you know I love I love all these movies. I love romantic comedies. You've uh, got mail is
1: a guilty pleasure for me. I watch that at least once you know, a my, year. my like, mom used to watch them, and I like nineties so Tom the Hanks nineties uh, sort of like
0: those rom coms. They don't make them like that They're
2: anymore. They're good stories.
0: No, no, and 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 it's really I think it's sad mm-hmm. because there is love and there is romance out there and it doesn't have to be so so saccharine yeah yeah you know
2: yeah.
0: like we, we call them chick flicks yeah. you know the uh you know they, they just they're just overbet, overboard you know harlequin romances i'm not saying they're they don't sell millions and there's not oh, a yeah. reason for those two but but like come on come on hollywood like you can you i can write a better love story than that and, and look at me yeah you know like <laughs> yeah. I think, I, you know, and I just might do that. I, I actually wrote, I wrote a, I wrote a book uh, over this last year, you know, while Louise and I were going through mm-hmm. what we had to go through. And, uh, and uh, it's all, it's in the second pass on the copy editing right now. And I'll, I'll probably publish that, that self-publish awesome. it, get it out there. But it just, we just need yeah. a, a true good love story. And that, that doesn't mean, you know, it's all melodrama and oh, I'm going to jump off a bridge. It can be comedy. Yeah. It can be, it's, you want to joy of life? Like mm-hmm. they just don't do it anymore. And I, I don't know if it's because they're so serious. The writers about, you know, are they have Maybe the people making the choices on what they think people want to see yeah. are just so out of touch. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, rom-coms. That's a, I never heard that one, but that's, uh, yeah. What can I say? about soccer, but I also like predator and, uh, yeah, Predator awesome. and Terminator. And then, you know, so I, I I'm I'm uh, I'm all over the place for movies. I, I like that. You know, the, the Sting. Great answer. The, the uh, Butch Castle and Sundance. I mean, who? How can they be any better movies than that? Yeah. So yeah, I've got lots of favorites and uh, and and more more than we have time to talk about here. But <laughs> I love all those ones I named.
1: That's awesome. Well, Jim. Seriously, thank you so much for taking some time with us today. Like, this has been a blast. It's been an honor for us to have a a conversation with you. Can you please tell the audience where they can find out more about you, what you're doing, and where they can find the book one more time?
0: Sure. Yeah. I mean, we're on all the social platforms. Uh, Mm -hmm. You you can go on Instagram. I think it's Jim Shocky Official, is what with the blue check mark or whatever they call it, And, and Facebook, Twitter. Uh, you can go, you can Google me and end up at our website, you can go to our hand to man museum. You can Google, you know, call me Hunter and, and, uh, you know, you can pre-order the book, you know, my novel right now. And, uh, and, and it'll be available as well online later on. Uh, Like I say, they're pretty hard to avoid finding me if you're, if you're looking for me, (laughs) here I am everywhere on on social media and on online. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Perfect. Um
1: we appreciate you coming on with us. Yeah, thank and you for your time. That was that was great. Yeah. And uh stay survived. Yeah, I promise I will. <laughs>